VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Let's get this pizza movie night started. Hello. Welcome back, everyone, to the VHS Files podcast. And even though the the theme music says Jason, Jason is unfortunately not with us tonight. He's a little under the weather. Had to make a last-minute call. He just didn't think he was going to be able to perform tonight. So he decided to set this one out. <laughs> we hope he doesn't have the Rona. Yeah, no yes. Rona. So we're thinking about Wish him Jason. well, for sure. Yes, Get better. Hopefully next week you'll be all right to come on and hang out with us. So how you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, good, good. Uh, glad we're finally getting to talk about this one. We're recording a little later than usual. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I need to talk about it before I forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> Life back. stuff, man. We were getting dangerously, dangerously close to that ourselves. Yeah. A little bit. Of, I was actually on the Not A Bomb podcast last night. Uh, by the time this comes out, I think it'll be out. We were talking about Flash Gordon. And that was a really fun conversation. Um, Brad and Troy over at Not a Bomb Podcast are really cool guys. They um, they're definitely fellow movie nerds. Um, we we just geeked out over Flash Gordon, even though this was a first time watch for me for for Flash Gordon. Um, it'll be a fun one to talk about on our show for sure. But uh, head over to Not a Bomb Podcast and check that out and listen to those guys on the regular. They have a very very good podcast over there. So and I would yeah, have, I look forward to listening to you guys. You you guys talk about that one. Yeah, for sure. we had a lot of fun, and I was I was very honored that they asked that uh, that I come on and, and join them for this one. So it was fun. Give those guys some love. We're probably going to have them either one of them or both of them on our show at some point whenever the schedules work out. But until then. We are going to get to tonight's The Movie of the Week. Tonight we are talking Scrooged. Directed by Richard Donner. Uh, Coming from previous work, he he had done The Omen, Superman, The Goonies, which we've talked about on the show, our first episode. Lethal Weapon, and then right after Lethal Weapon, he he did this. And he'd go on to do Maverick, Assassins with Anthony, um, what's his name? Ketis. (laughs) <laughs> I just totally threw you off. You did. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Antonio is what Banderas. I was trying to say. Yes. And um, Sylvester Stallone. Anthony Banderas. Yeah, that Anthony Banderas. Anthony. He's so handsome. <laughs> Conspiracy theory, and he did all the Lethal Weapon sequels as well, which was a very, very profitable franchise. Um, this came out November twenty third, nineteen eighty eight, with a budget of thirty two million dollars. Ended up doing a box office of a hundred. Point three million dollars. This was a big, wow. big, big, big hit, and uh, it was released amongst the likes of Child's Play, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, Oliver and Company, The Land Before Time, and the John Carpenter classic They Live, which was around yes. the same time as this. Can't wait to get to that one. Yeah, we got to get some Carpenter. I think some Carpenter might be coming up at the beginning of the year. Just a little teaser for everybody. But uh, I'm ready. I am ready. Until then, Eric, take us back in time. We're sending you back. Well, Josh, 1988 gave us the greatest rock supergroup ever in the Traveling Wilburys. 
Bob oh. Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne. Yes. Roy Orbison and Tom Petty. I loved that volume one album as a kid, and mm-hmm. I still love it. I was actually listening to it today. Uh, sadly, Roy Orbison died that year of a heart attack suddenly. So that sort of ruined that whole plan. I, I think more um, than more than half of the traveling Willoughby's are no longer with us now. Yeah, we've know. only got Dylan and Lynn. Lynn, am I saying that right? I think Jeff so. Lynn? Yeah. That's all we've got left. Uh, so that's sad. Um, Nike launched one of the most iconic advertising campaigns in history with the Just Do It campaign. Uh, Its inspiration comes from Gary Gilmore, a murderer executed in Utah in 1977, who said, let's do it before his death by firing squad. (laughs) Nike. Yeah. uh, Nike advertising executive Dan Whedon or Wyden liked it and changed it slightly for the campaign. So that's pretty wild. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Oh, he was into uh, to true crime, definitely. Must have been. Must have been a true crime nut. Uh, <laughs> the the abomination known as Scrappy-Doo was finally omitted from television after a huge backlash from audiences that hated him. I didn't realize he was that hated. I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. People hated him. The Supreme Court ruled that trash placed at the curbside is unprotected by the Fourth Amendment. So get out there and go through your neighbor's trash. Wow. <laughs> And finally, things have really sucked in the world lately. Let's have a little taste of the happiest song of 1988. Hit it, Josh. Yeah. Do you guys remember when this came out? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's just a happy melody, man. Gotta love it. Can't help but smile when you hear it. I was always so excited when it came on MTV or VH1 or something. I would just, because I, you never heard it anywhere, or at least I didn't hear it on the radio and stuff. I would only see it on TV and I got so excited. Yeah. So any kind of childhood memories, nostalgia, anything surrounding uh, Scrooge for anybody? I I didn't see this until I was uh, older. So anybody see this when they were younger? Jenny? I definitely saw it as a child. Uh, We were big Bill Murray fans in my house i didn't see it in the theater i would have been at either oliver and company or the land before time because i Mm. i know i saw oliver and company in the theater yeah i think i saw land before time in the theater too so those would have been our movie i think i saw land before time in the theater as well that was a biggie yeah um i i don't recall seeing this in the theater but i definitely watched this as a kid and and uh it's funny when you watch a movie as a kid and there's certain things about the movie that you like. And then as an adult, and oftentimes those things change mm-hmm. here. I, I, I think it's the same. This, I like as a kid is still the stuff I like now. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I think the first time I saw this was with you whenever we decided that we wanted to have a different kind of a Christmas movie. So we mm-hmm. sat down and watched this and, uh, Surprisingly, after Ghostbusters, I really I didn't follow Bill Murray too much. I don't think I really got back into Bill Murray until he started appearing in the Wes Anderson movies and the more um, indie drama stuff is when I really started getting back into him. But uh, all of his popular stuff like that's something that I that, that, that we could hash out here on the show. Like I never saw Meatballs. I didn't see like The Man Who Knew Too Little, any of that later 80s stuff he did. Uh, I mean, I did see my fair share of Bill Murray stuff, but uh, this was one of them that slipped through the cracks. I didn't see this one until I was much, uh, much older. And I was 
I was actually kind of shocked to find out that he had taken a like a four year acting hiatus before he did this movie. And going through the movie and as we talk about it and as I watched it, I was seeing some of the things like apparently this was a very troubled production. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, Bill yeah, Murray and Richard Donner did not get along very well, even though Donner has said really high praise about Bill Murray. Bill Murray has said that every day on set was just a nightmare for him. Um, but he was coming off of the the big time stardom that he got with Ghostbusters. Um, his film after Ghostbusters was a little bit of a disappointment, so he didn't know how to take that. So he didn't even know if he was going to come back to acting. And then they they got him for this, and it's it's kind of funny watching this now and knowing the story behind it. How much it might mirror what Bill Murray was actually going through at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, Ebert interviewed Murray and about work disagreements. If he had, he asked him if he had any disagreements with Donner, and Murray replied, "Only a few, every single minute of the day." Yeah, <laughs> that could have been really, really great movie. The script was so good. There's maybe one take in the final cut movie that's mine. We made it so fast; it was like doing a movie live. Yeah, he kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and and. and uh, and Donner, uh, let's see, Donner says, the experience of directing Murray, it's like standing on 42nd Street and Broadway and the lights are out and you're the traffic cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they yeah. definitely did not have fun together on that movie. No, and and even the other actors on the set, like we'll talk about Carol Kane uh, later when she comes into the movie, like all the stuff that she had to do, all the physicality, uh, with her and Bill Murray, she was very uncomfortable with a lot of it. So there were times when she just had like a- anxiety attacks and breakdowns on set because she was just so taken aback by how much like <laughs> uh, like violence she had to inflict on Bill Murray. But he kept enticing it. He kept asking her to do it more and do it more. Well, so, it doesn't show in the movie. She beats the shit out of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and apparently that, that scene where she grabs him by the lip and yanks him down, like it, it actually messed him up. They had to stop production because he had to let his lip heal because she yeah. had yanked on she it. She really hard. yanked it too hard. She's yeah. like, Oh golly gee, I don't want to hurt you. And then rips his lip off. <laughs> right. Um, so the first thing I, I noticed about this is, is the music coming into the opening credits. And this is Danny Elfman, uh, yeah. not in a Tim Burton movie. I think around this time that would have, would have been a little, um, a little different uh, hearing the, the Tim Burton style music in a different movie at this time. Apparently they wanted John Williams, but John Williams couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or something like that. So they went with Elfman instead. But the way this movie opens into this little hut with the, the elves and Santa and the workshop. <laughs> and Dude, I had forgotten about that entirely. Every time I've watched it so far, I forget that that's there. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell's going on? Lee Majors? (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It was great. The night the reindeer died. It's so good. Um, It it almost reminds me of a scene from uh, Die Hard 2. Uh, There's this scene where they're outside of a church, like fighting with some people. And it it, it reminds me of that scene whenever I see it. Um, Yeah. Apparently the the minigun used by Lee Majors... Uh, was the same prop used by Jesse Ventura in Predator. Oh, yeah, I, I read so that that's little a tidbit little, as my, myself. Little doodad. Yep. Uh, I even love the little commercials that they cut in with this here, like Father Loves Beaver. <laughs> yeah. 
We didn't play the trailer for this, but mainly because the trailer is very long and it doesn't really have a whole lot of good audio. Um, I do want to play kind of a when we first get introduced to Bill Murray in this movie because I think this scene is is pretty good and we'll comment on it as it goes. But I just want to play this real quick. So. I am the youngest president in the history of television for a reason. I know the people. Well, uh, granted, but the people already want to watch the show. That isn't good enough. <laughs> they have got to be so scared to miss it, so terrified. <laughs> now, if I were in charge, and I am, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps I can help you. Here's the kind of thing I would have done. Grace, cue it up. So they've done this hokey commercial to promote Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. No, screw We'll talk about that, but then they cut to... This is his idea to, to rope people in. Absolute brain. <laughs> Drug addiction. <laughs> it's very Christmassy. terrorism. Freeway killers. Now... It's important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just depend on it. <laughs> Mushroom cloud and everything. Not bad, huh? He's so over the top ridiculous. But uh, I think I forgot how much of a giant asshole he is. He, like, you want to talk bad. about. Yeah. yeah. Like he is so bad to the point where it, I, I think it at times is too much to where you just don't even like him anymore. Yeah. I mean, we can talk more in depth about this when you get to the end of the movie, but he is a total narcissist. Yeah. Big time. Uh, just a complete dick. Uh, I mean, you get much more so than any other portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. the beginning of of the like early Ebenezer is nicer than Oh, <laughs> yeah. For sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he's he is he doesn't care about anyone. Nope. Uh children, animals, nothing. He is completely disgusting in this movie. And I I mean it, we're we're told everything we need to know about him from the moment you cut, you know, he's sitting in the dark and then they cut to him at his desk and he opens the drawer and he's got that mirror in there and he just smiles at himself. <laughs> that shitty and grin is so funny, but you know everything you need to know about his character from that little thing he does right there. Yep. And and just all the nuance from everything he's doing, like in the clip we just watched when he's grabbing Bobcat by the, by the head and he takes that one finger and like rubs his, rubs his ear with it. It's just... The little things in this, I don't know if it's so much physical comedy, but it's smart the way Bill Murray does it. Now, from what I've heard from the production, you can probably say that a lot of what he does in this is Bill Murray being Bill Murray. Um, according to all the all the reports I've seen as far as the the production of this movie, he yeah, really just kind of give him a scene and just set him loose, and he'll just yeah. loosely just. He ad-libbed the majority of it, did not stay on script for a lot of it. And we'll talk about it at the end because the end, 
really doesn't feel scripted, in my opinion, watching it this time. To to a fault, I in my opinion. Um, but one thing that kind of struck me here is I I know Bobcat Goldthwait mainly from the the Police Academy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a big draw for me as a kid, just this crazy guy who who talked weird and and whatnot. Yeah. And seeing him in this and playing a quote unquote like straight character mm-hmm. in this. It was really odd, but you can still tell he's struggling. Like, I don't know what his inflection is with his speech. Like, if he really does have, I mean, obviously he does have some sort of a speech impediment. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's his, he does that. Like, that's a character. You think that's, I mean, because I don't think every he talks that seen, way normally. Every time I've seen him, he he's putting it on if he does. Uh, because he, even in like his, his interviews I've seen with him and stuff like that, he still has that little nuance to his voice. Uh, but Watching him play here was really weird to to see him playing a straight character for me. Um, and I really a, like him in this. And apparently Sam Kennison, I think, was up for the role and lost out to it to Bobcat Goldthwait. Or no, Sam Kennison was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas uh, uh, past. Yeah. And the guy from the New York Dolls ended up getting the job instead. But And Sam Kennison was upset that Bobcat Goldthwait had gotten in the movie because they were like... Uh, stand-up comic enemies they didn't they didn't really have a, a, a they were always bickering in the in the club scene <laughs> but i love i love bill murray's comment on everything and he's like we don't want to scare the dickens out of people mm-hmm. dickens <laughs> nobody gets me <laughs> he's just i got him <laughs> yeah i mean i i love it i love that he thinks nobody understands him he's so vile to his secretary. Ugh. I don't know how she puts up with him. She needs a job. She's got. She like needs the money, kids. man. She's got a kid that won't talk. But yeah. he fires Bobcat. Yeah, yeah, he does. He fires him. Um, because he because Bobcat actually has a a point. He's like, you know, he compares he compares it to Nazi Germany. Watching these commercials that Bill Murray wants to put up for promos for the Scrooge. We, I, I said a Christmas Carol earlier, but they never call it that in this movie. Nope. It's no. it's Charles Dickens' classic Scrooge. So uh, apparently they couldn't get rights to use a, a Christmas Carol, but and I love that they've eighties did up with the dancers and Mary Lou Retton playing Tiny Tim. <laughs> and a ton it's of t- cameos in this movie, like. Loaded with cameos. Speaking of cameos, Robert Mitchum, his boss, actor, he was in the original Cape Fear, Night of the, is it Night of the Hunter? I believe from like 1955. It's one of, it's a really old horror, like horror quote thriller. Um, I've got it on Criterion. He was really creepy in that movie, but he plays Bill Murray's boss. And uh, apparently he has come to the, to the realization that cats and dogs are starting to watch television. <laughs> I forget about a lot of the little things in this movie because it's mainly just a Christmas carol and you're, you're following it for that reason. But all the little things they add in there like that are, are really what make this movie for me is, is just all the comedy that's interjected in between all of that stuff. Well, it's, it's all the stuff before the first ghost um, is, is I basically forget it. Yeah. Every time I watch the movie, all I can, re- I forget everything before the, the, the first ghost that, the the golfer yeah uh i i always forget everything before that um so and it feels it felt like it took a while to get there but maybe i just, was just looking for it you know yeah i mean the they take their time setting up how vile he is mm-hmm. for sure how much he abuses his secretary and how much he doesn't have any kind of 
affinity for family or anything. He's always trying to impress the big wigs and his family just gets the towels at Christmas when everybody else gets the VCRs. Mm-hmm. So in that scene, I noticed a lot of ADR in the scene between him and his secretary when they're talking about the towels and the, and the VCRs this time. And he's, he's staring out the uh, telescope, making sure that Bobcat Goldthwaite has been escorted <laughs> off of the property. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, he basically fired him for having a different opinion. Yeah. The right opinion, yep. actually. For doing his job. Yeah, for doing really. his job and for suggesting that they continue to use something that's already working. Yeah. It, it's real bad. Like, yeah. what a dick. It's got to make you think how, how he got in his position. If, if he's turning down good ideas, what is he doing that's getting him in this position that he's in? Yeah, that's true. So he goes to dinner with his brother. He doesn't go to dinner with him. He just takes a walk with right, him. Right, he, he walks. He won't even go to dinner with him. Right. No, he goes and gets the Humanitarian of the Year Award. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think the reason a lot of the beginning of this is so forgettable is because you don't really want to accept how bad of a person he is. Yeah, it's like, why would you continue to watch a movie about somebody who's so yeah. despicable? Yeah. It drags a little because, yeah, they are just piling it on and on. And it's like, he is, oh, he just, he just completely rude to that person, completely rude to that person, rude to his family members, ruining people's lives, firing people. Like he's just, it's just every moment he just, he's vile. Yeah. And, and you like Bill Murray so much, but after a while, it is, it gets tiresome. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's get to the ghosts here. Let's get to the ghosts. Yeah. And that's it. He goes back to the office after this humanitarian award, leaves the award in, in, in the, the taxi cab. cab on the way back to the office because that's how much he cares about it. Mm-hmm. Even though he says he will cherish it now and forever mm-hmm. or whatever it is he says about it, yeah. just leaves it in the taxi. I'm always enamored by how much like they portray drinking alcohol in the workplace as just a normal thing in movies. Yes. Like I, I have yet to see where it's commonplace to have a bottle of of whatever Hard sit, liquor. Yeah, sitting out for anybody to have and they're drinking it constantly throughout the day. Like, <laughs> and he, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of, <clears throat> kind of a dated thing, but also these, these guys are high up executives with, yeah. you know, luxury offices. I, I, I would venture to guess that there's plenty of, I guess people that still do that, but, but yeah, n- maybe not the way he does it in this movie. He, he really puts down the liquor. <laughs> I mean, he chugs like a full glass of whiskey <laughs> So yeah, he's he's uh, just running on pure adrenaline and 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 ambition. Uh, it's funny because like you, hit you, the fan here. you almost don't really see him do much quote unquote work in this. Like he's he's watching these commercials and giving his opinion about things, but like you don't really get a clear understanding of what it is he actually does. He just oversees people. Well, yeah, I think that's just kind of like the stereotype of the high-powered 80s executive was that they're on top, so they're getting everybody else to really do the work for them so they can sit around and drink and play golf and whatever. And keep in in mind his boss brings in that Bryce guy who actually does work, and when when he comes in, he's so funny. That's a character that I didn't like uh, as a kid. I, I... saw him as like a threat to Bill Murray and it bothered me and he was kind of annoying, but this watch, I, I really enjoyed him and the way he sort of talked circles around him and was so uh, cleverly ragging on him, but being super polite at the same time. Right. 
um, I, he was he was pretty funny and 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 you see later he's directing he's managing he's doing his job properly and I, you have to assume that he was brought in for a reason yeah that that you know bill murray or frank in the in the story is not doing his job right and and, and i love from the moment he walks into the office he knows that it's a threat and 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 they do a good job of setting up that workplace kind of rivalry mm-hmm. um and and him being uh intimidated by this guy from the moment he walks in the door, because he sees that this guy's coming in and ready to go do whatever he's got to do, uh, he calls him. Uh, find out who that guy is. He's an LA slime ball, or he, he calls him an <laughs> LA slime ball. We didn't talk about. He, he goes back to the office, but when he gets in the cab to get to go back to the office, he steals it from the old lady, and the, he oh, right. and he flips her off as as he's driving off. It, <laughs> it just cements everything you're feeling about him. It's like, okay, yeah, he's this guy a is a dick. So he gets back to the office and then he's visited by this ghost. Now, this would be like the equivalent of like Jiminy Cricket in the in the Mickey's a Christmas Carol. Yes. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's Marley. Right, Marley. No, That's right. Yeah. 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 So that would this, be the equivalent of Mickey in a Mickey's Christmas Carol because he's Marley, right? No, Goofy's no. Marley. Goofy's Old Man Marley. Marley. That's, That's right. right. Okay. That's right. What movie are we talking about? <laughs> Mickey's Christmas Carol or Scrooge? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love the look of Lou. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's gross. what a classic. One, one of the greatest makeup jobs in movie history, in my opinion. I love the way he looks. I love the mouse crawls yes. out of the flap in the back of his head, pushes a golf ball. Out. Yes, <laughs> so good. Uh, you know, he coughs and or he his own dust like comes off of him because he's so dusty and he's yeah. like coughing on his own dust. All that little stuff with him is so great. Uh, drinking the drink and it comes out the bullet holes after yeah. Frank shoots him and uh, yeah, not not only having this is the liquor that I like liquor in the office, but he's got a gun in his in his desk. Like this thing's <laughs> got a few issues we wouldn't be able to deal with today. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to talk about the makeup too, because the makeup on this guy is great. I love how they apply the stuff and like they use like his chin, the shape of his chin and his cheekbones for the bone definition and just kind of yep. layer stuff over it. Like it looks really, really good. It's so dry and crusty and, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, it, a lot of quote unquote, like dead zombie type things you see aren't, they're kind of wet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to get a, a it kind of reminiscent of the monster squad uh mummy you know just like mm-hmm. yeah dusty yeah. dry flaky it's such a cool look you know and uh, and and in the in the golfing get up too just is icing on the cake it's right. just perfect <laughs> and even to the point where when when you get the the shot of him with the glasses off like he has no eyeballs and it's just like the shriveled up skin around like it looks yeah. great i love it it's horrific i mean yeah. for being in a goofy comedy we've got some like really nice looking horror effects mm-hmm. yeah and um, also his mouth is all green inside. And like when yes, he talks, like it's, his, really it's like, like he's got green ink in his mouth. Yeah. I, I think they could have really went a little farther thing. with that and just had him like drooling all over Bill Murray and stuff. Probably would have looked pretty kind of cool. <laughs> but uh, oh, and then and then Bill Murray, you know, after the vision is over, uh-huh. he takes a drink of, with, of ice and he spits out the golf ball. Yeah. The glass. Just a nice little. I wanted to go back and rewind it to see if you can see the golf ball in the glass when he does that. Or if he actually just had the golf ball in his mouth. I'm wondering how they actually shot that. The window effect is really cool, too. When he holds him out the window, he kind of melts through the window, and then his his dusty, dried-up arm breaks off. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah, I like that he's grabbing it and just pulling pieces off of it, and then he eventually yeah. falls because the arm breaks off. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, yeah. if not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he he chalks it up to this was just a nightmare, goes about his day, business as usual. I think this is where we get introduced to his secretary's family. She brings home her son. They're dressing him up like a Christmas tree because he doesn't talk and they're just abusing him. Um, We should also mention that he, he calls Claire out of, out of for, for after years of their, their breakup. Mm -hmm. And which is, you know, an important thing. And Claire is Karen Allen from um, Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. She's so sweet in this. So adorable. She's almost too sweet for it. Like Oh, I have a note on that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> she is, Yeah, I mean... Her smile, like, her face had to hurt while she was shooting this movie because she's smiling so much, and her smile is so big. Like It's it's like she's got a hundred teeth. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, her smile's so sweet, and she's so sweet, and the biggest confusion for me in this movie is, what does she see in him? Yeah. What did she see in him? And... And, uh, you know, why does she continue to give him chance after chance after chance when he's just like the hugest dick ever? But yeah, well, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit. But when we do see what he was like before, you can see that he he grew into the person that he became. He 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 wanted to work his way up and he did eventually work his way up. And that's I guess that's what gives him the idea that he can be who he's being to people now because he came up from the bottom. But he still doesn't even seem like he's working that hard when we're introduced to him in the past. Um, he's just, I mean, he's yeah. working on Christmas. Yeah. And, and and it seems like everything just goes down to where this the, the ghost that has visited him, his old boss, is just kind of letting him tag along for the ride. And you're seeing that he's like, he's this just gross old guy who's cheating on his wife and... I, right. I, I mean, he's a he's a he he's a huge influence on Bill Murray. Yeah. Yep. Like he, yeah. Bill Murray, you know, learned to be the way he is now from that guy, I guess. And you know, that guy's telling him, you know, I, I he regrets it. You know, I mean, that's kind of the point. Right. And and it's cool that you see the relationship building between. And I think that's a lot of what Bill Murray ended up working into the script. I don't think there was a whole lot of this relationship drama, and. For whatever reason, Bill Murray felt like that needed to be more present. So you you get a lot more of that between he and he and Claire in this. Uh, I'm not crazy about the lumpy nickname, to be honest. <laughs> I could couldn't for the life of me remember why she called him lumpy, and I guess it's because they bonk heads. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's and so that's where it comes from. Yep. Okay. It's not a I great mean, nickname. No. There's I don't really like. Yeah, I, I think I when, don't. I think when I was a kid, I thought she was talking about his face, which is really, <laughs> which is really, really bad. <laughs> his face is bad. Um, um, yeah, his face isn't great. Um, <laughs> a little craggy, but lumpy uh, face. Good lord. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like for for their relationship and to be sort of the backbone of this movie. I don't feel like it really, I don't feel like, I don't, I don't feel the love. I don't feel the chemistry so much. I don't know. They're just so different. I don't know. But back before he changed so much, 
when they're having their Christmas together and he's all excited to open presents with her. Like, I feel like that is good chemistry. That's probably the most you you see the chemistry between yeah. them is that scene. Yeah, I mean, you really don't get very many scenes of them building their relationship, but I feel like that scene does capture that they love yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's it. Yeah, that scene. If that wasn't there, then you'd be real hard pressed. Yeah, to... sure. And we've kind of already jumped into the flash, the the flashback a little bit, but he's he's he goes back to the office. He finds out that um, an old lady died because of his promo that he ran. It scared her to death. And his reaction to this, it, like, you can't buy publicity like this. <laughs> like he is just sold on it. And uh, he, he's got his. I don't know. She's not his secretary. She's just a colleague. But it's Mary Ellen Trainer, who we've already seen in the in in yeah. our episodes a few times already from uh, Monster Squad and the Goonies, mm-hmm. and and she's she's eating up everything that um, that he's putting down. Yeah. Like every time he's responding to something, she's just eating it up. And yeah, uh, she's she's like him. She's gonna do what he says and follow his lead, right? Because she just wants to climb the ladder too. You know, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, after all of this, he goes down to see what's going on with the production, and they're concerned with the dancers that they've hired. What are, what are their names? The, the Solid Gold the Dancers. The Solid Gold Dancers, because uh, you can see her nipples. <laughs> you sure can. <laughs> and this was the last time the Solid Gold Dancers appeared on screen. They were canceled, I guess, or because of the nipples. Broken up. Because of the nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But uh the and <clears throat> so this was the last time they they were actually shown. And after production of this, they they were canceled or quit yeah. or God knows what. But um but yeah, and and then you have the classic uh, mouse scene, right? Yeah. Just just staple those antlers. <laughs> Stamp staple the man- antlers on the on the mouse. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I'm not done with the nipples yet. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> but my favorite part of that whole exchange is when he's talking to the executive and he's trying to convince him that it's fine. And the guys go, oh, you can barely see them nipples. He goes, and these guys are really looking. <laughs> <laughs> but then this Yeah, is- I do love I do love after that when they turn around carrying the light pole and it knocks her out, starting the, yeah. the gag of her getting, you know, right injured every time something goes wrong. Which I find is a little silly in the middle of the movie. I mean, you you don't have a ton of like slapsticky comedy in this. It's more or less just like a dialogue comedy, in my opinion. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess when I mean, you get to Carol Kane coming in, Carol Kane does more. Some, some of that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this movie's a little all over the place. Yeah, and and again, like now knowing about the production and the backside of of what happened in this movie. I kind of see it unfolding as I watch the movie a little bit. Like I feel like Bill Murray really is just that, that, that CEO on the floor doing whatever he wants. Cause I think Bill Murray was just sort of doing whatever he wanted with this. And you can really see that in my opinion, when you watch this now, if you're looking for it, if you're just looking for a good time, Christmas movie, don't care about anything of the behind the scenes. You probably never thought two things about it, but, um, now watching it now, it almost it almost plays like a commentary of well of where Bill Murray was at that point in his career. Yeah, and Claire shows up. Yep, and we get the first 
first meeting of Claire and he's mm-hmm. obviously very excited to see her and and he does I like when he goes would you please halt the goddamn hammer <laughs> over and over <laughs> and you can so see good. something in him kind of soften when she shows up like it's he's still an asshole it's it's still there but like when he sees her he just becomes a little less awful she's like the only person he for likes. moments yeah i mean it's almost like every time we see her come on screen he changes like he he flips a switch or a, a, a switch flips when he sees her but then everything else that's going on in his life comes in and sort of turns him back to where he's at. And he's just kind of an, an asshole. I mean, what she witnesses him say and do in their interactions in this movie, like, yeah, are just like, how can you still? Well, I mean, think even this guy, I mean, maybe, maybe it's her, maybe she's just trying to change him. Maybe it's yeah. her character is, is, a, is a person that tries to help people. Maybe he's a, a project for her, you know, to like try to make him better. I don't know. But, um, well, I mean, that's her thing. She, she helps people. I mean, that's what right. we established with her. She's a humanitarian. She, she does all this work for homeless people, works at the shelter, making sure everybody's got a, a place to stay and is warm and is, is eating during Christmas. And, um, she's completely the yin to his yang. Like they're, they're complete opposites on, on the spectrum, but somehow they're attracted to one another. Yeah. And I would say those moments that you actually see him change, it's not an actual change. It's a change for her to see him, uh, as he wants her to see him. It's almost a performance. Yeah, it's almost a performance. Because yeah. He is a narcissist, and mm-hmm. narcissists know how to charm people. And, right. and he is charming. He is very charming. <laughs> For a moment. Like that's the thing. His his charm comes in spurts. Uh-huh. Very small. Because he can't hide it all spurts. the time. Yeah. Um I, I wrote this down and I love the joke, but I can't remember what le- leads up to it. But he, he throws water on somebody or a bucket of water gets dumped on somebody. <laughs> this is in the next scene when, when he, he goes to lunch with his boss. Right, yeah. right, right. And and there's the baked Alaska guy mm-hmm. and he thinks he's on fire. He's having visions or yeah. hallucinations. He thinks the waiter is on fire. So he throws a bucket of water on him and says, sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really dark joke. It is. I mean, that's like, damn. I I wonder what Richard Pryor thought of that line. Maybe maybe they're friends, and it was just a gag. I don't know. He he started making fun of himself after a while when it came to that to that topic of things. I remember I used to watch this this dubbed tape my mom had. It had four stand ups on it. It had Robin Williams live at the Met in the in the eighties. Nice. It had Eddie Murphy Delirious and Raw. And it had Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. I wore out. Classic. I wore out uh, Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy, and Richard Pryor just never really resonated with me. I, I think I was too young to get Richard Pryor's comedy. Maybe if I went back and listened to it now, I'd love it. But I do remember the last thing he does in that, like almost like an encore at the end of that 
uh, comic uh, show. He's lighting a cigarette and he goes, don't think I didn't hear what you motherfuckers been saying about me either. And he lights a cigarette and he, he, he holds the match up and he goes, uh, what's this? Uh, it's Richard Pryor running down the street. <laughs> so at the point he was making fun of himself. Yeah. I mean, time, I so. guess I, yeah, maybe I'm overreacting, but yeah. I mean, it's one thing making fun of yourself. True. Thing, very, you know, very, put true. it in a film, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like that scene again, anytime we've got, uh, the sort of horror elements coming in and the, the ghosts coming in, that's mm-hmm. when this movie is the most fun to me. When, yeah. when, uh, when Frank is trying to keep it together while he's seeing an eyeball in his glass mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a guy on fire across the room, that kind of stuff. And, um, it's funny when he thinks the waiter is the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, he's he's trying to get out in front of it, but he can't. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Right. Until he runs and, and gets in a taxi. Well, I want to bring up when he leaves the restaurant too, because he he runs into the waiter and then he steps up the platform to go out the door and slips and falls. <laughs> oh yeah. And that was completely not in the script at all. Like Bill Murray's right. foot slipped out from under him and he fell, and that's the, the take they decided to keep for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great fall and it's from the water he throws made the floor yeah slippery. Uh-huh. that's so, right yeah yeah that is funny and you know you mentioned him trying to keep it together while these things are happening to him and that is really different in this version of a christmas carol because in all the other ones scrooge's experiences are very private like yes. he's mostly at his house in his bed and you know then he travels to the other times but here people are witnessing frank like visibly freak out yeah, yeah. frank is losing his absolute shit yeah. throughout the course of this day it's very and public he's popping up in the down. middle of yeah he's freaking out in in, in public he's popping in the middle of his own tv sets and mm-hmm. screwing up takes and i mean he's just wreaking havoc on, and ultimately goes even further at the end, but we'll get there. Well, I, and I love that even to the point of when, like after we're, we're done with the visits with the ghost, that's how he always pops up back. So somewhere on the set of this uh, production that they're doing for the, for the, for the TV um, station. Um, I was always enamored by the, um, I've said enamored twice on this podcast, by the way. Um, how gross I'm enamored. the cab the cabbie's teeth are. And it never dawned on me that that was the singer for the New York Dolls until we watched it this time. Uh, but I was always really grossed out by the fact that he had dirty teeth yeah. and his ears were pointy. And we have a, a, a time machine car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, our second time machine car and Did- our third time machine. In, <laughs> right. On the VHS files so far. Now, did anybody notice that when they pull up to his house when he's a kid, the 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 ghost gets out the wrong side of the car? Like he was just <laughs> driving and he get he gets out the passenger side. <laughs> I no, but notice. I love the gag where he walks through the door and Frank thinks he can walk through the door too. <laughs> yeah, and then when he, he sticks his head out and he tries to punch him and just punches the door. But you bring up a time machine. I also want to bring up we go to 1955. <laughs> Oh, is it? Yeah, they That's take it to 1955. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean that could be a nod for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, one of my favorite parts of them going back and he's looking to this office party and there's this girl just completely throwing herself at him and he's watching this go down and he can't believe that he passed up on this. And his delivery of the line when he says it, he's like, I must have been out of my mind. <laughs> like, the way he, the way he says mind and, and when he's looking at this whole exchange happen is hilarious. Like, But you've skipped like the most important part of <laughs> the past is when he's four years old yeah. on Christmas and his dad brings him home veal. Veal. Yes, a hunk a of meat. His dad's a butcher. Yep. And and, and he's basically raised on television oh, to yeah. the point where he he thinks some of these childhood memories of his are yes are are real real. but they're actually from episodes of television so he really you know that's where his love of television comes from of course and then also he didn't really have a a very warm home life no and his dad is uh is a murray brother yep brian doyle murray who we talked about a couple couple episodes ago yep all the murray brothers are in this movie all of them like (laughs) all of them i think there's four Total in the whole movie? If you count if you count Bill, yeah. Yeah. I think there's yeah, Bill and then all three brothers are in here. It's uh his younger brother in the film is a Murray. Mm-hmm. And then, and then his, there's another Murray somewhere else, I forget. It's when they cut to his younger brother in the in the in the Ghost of Christmas present stuff, his oh, other his brother friend. is the friend. Yes. There right. in there. Um and it's funny because when you think about like when I think about Brian Doyle Murray. And I look at him, I, I can, I'm, okay, he's a Murray. Like, I can tell he's part of Bill Murray's <laughs> bloodline. But yeah. when you see him and Bill Murray next to each other, or even his other brothers, when you see them next to each other in these movies, they don't really look alike. Yeah. No. That's weird. They don't. There's just something about their features that you can tell that they're related to one another. Which I guess is a normal thing. I, maybe I'm just an idiot. but <laughs> Maybe. I'm an only child. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any siblings that I know of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and this is where we get our exchange with him and Claire meeting for the first time after the party. And yeah, I mean, this is the only thing I can equate to the lumpy thing is when they bump heads in this. Yeah, I mean, he he falls down first and hits his head and then they bonk heads after that. Mm -hmm. So And they have a mutual love for Chinese food. I don't think he loves the Chinese food. I think he eats Chinese food because of her. I mean, it's it becomes an innuendo. Yeah, an in, innuendo. In innuendo. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Sorry. Does that go uh, with continuity? <laughs> um, I like how the ghost of Christmas past really gives him shit. Yeah, like he he doesn't he doesn't let him make excuses for anything. Right, and you know what I mean. Like he's he plays it really straight. He's not just cracking jokes the whole time. He's like. Really giving it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it works in comedies when somebody when you know like Egon and and Ghostbusters when there's some characters that just play it pretty evenly straight. Yeah, particularly in a you know in a an emotional moment. Right. Uh, but I, I I like that part of that. Yeah. You see the exchange with them in their apartment. That's where we we we've kind of jumped jumped to that. You know, we're back to here. Um, the thing that stood out to me is is the raspberries and how that comes back later in the movie when she starts blowing on his stomach. Uh, yeah. He says, I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just, he really starts to see where he's 
had some faults. And then you really see that when you cut to him uh, as the frisbee or something. Frisbee, frisbee that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I mean, he he really puts it all on the line playing this dog for we don't know how long to just get up the next rung of the ladder. Yeah. He's fighting for the integrity of the show. <laughs> the Frisbee show. Yeah. yeah. They're complaining about having to do things on Christmas Eve, or she's upset about the whole, like, having dinner on Christmas Eve, but he's there doing this TV show and all these kids are there on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it, would, it seems weird that they would be recording on Christmas yeah. Eve. Although there is a, a, a real-life thing uh, that I read, and I'm going to read it. Um, filming began in December 1987 for this film. Uh-huh. And uh, Donner asked if the production could have Christmas Day off, but Paramount's Pictures executives refused, insisting that filming should continue on Christmas Day. Uh, so Donner, on the 24th, Christmas Eve, he officially fired the entire cast and crew. And then two days later, on the 26th, he officially rehired everybody <laughs> to to give them Christmas off. That's, so that's pretty cool. Yep. Good guy Donner yeah. on that one. But, you know, they're fighting. They're breaking up here uh, because his boss has invited them to a fancy Christmas Eve dinner and they're supposed to have Christmas Eve with their friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really, if you didn't already know what his mindset was, this is where you see for the first time, like, I'm going after what I want, no matter what else is in the way. Like, I'm going to bulldoze over everything and everyone to climb the ladder. Right. Yeah. Nothing's more important than his career. basically at that point that being said if this really is like a huge opportunity maybe tell your friends you'll come after dinner and hang out and see them i don't know i do see that seems like it yeah like it seems like i know it's a movie but christmas eve but yeah yeah but it's like you know if if you've got the the head of nbc wants to meet with you on a you know on a show and this is like your one chance you can turn them down like yeah i don't know I, I I realize we had to have something to break them up where where their their priorities intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like with a lot of things in this movie, it, it's it's not super thought out. It's just like okay, he wants to do dinner on Christmas, so that's the, that's the straw that breaks the back of the mm-hmm. relationship. So yeah. fine, okay, you know. But arguably, they don't speak again un- or see each other until he calls her in this movie, right? So. Yeah. Which that would have been a, a quite a long time. I mean, fifteen years. Fifteen they years. Said. Yeah. Yep. No Facebook. And she is back on then. board, ready to go. As soon as he get, gives her the call, she is ready to go. She's. Which is really sad that yeah, she's been she pining meet a nice after guy? this asshole all yeah. this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, is it that, or is it she, she's just been busy with her thing? I mean, there, no, there's. I mean, she has a very fulfilling career, but right. she really kind of. Maybe she's been through some some bad relationships Maybe. and and is is recently single again or something, but we don't know because the movie doesn't tell us anything like that. So no. we can only wonder. Yeah, I mean, she's it, just a thing, a plot point. You know, you bring up a good point with the you know having a chance to meet with an executive or something like. These movies are all made in the spirit of how we feel as as young people or young you know children at Christmas time and how important the holiday is to everyone. But you know, the older you get, the the more you see where some things do take priority over others. 
No, I'm not saying yeah. that, you know, Christmas isn't a time where you should, you shouldn't be with your family and table, but I mean, as you get Why older, do you hate Christmas, Josh, <laughs> as you get older, you, you, you have to kind of start weighing those sort of things. And, 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 you know, Christmas may not mean as much to you as an adult as it did, you know, when you were a, a child, as you get older. Right. And that's a very bah humbug way to look at things. But, um, I mean, there, there is that commentary to this movie as well, in my yeah. opinion. And there are also plenty of people in the world who don't celebrate Christmas, that December 25th is just another day. Yeah. Oh, you mean heathens? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but you're right. And there's a lot of people that have to work on Christmas, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. There are. I mean, a lot of people. So then he goes to visit the homeless shelter. Right. That he can't find. <laughs> can't find it because it doesn't have proper signage. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, and, uh, and the fact that he comes in blathering and so acting like a signs. crazy man, like even though he's wearing a very nice suit, like he almost would fit right into. To it the, is funny how they yeah. take him in. They think he's yeah. just like yeah. off just the throw a blanket crazy. over him. Yeah. He think he's a nut job <laughs> off the streets. Well, they think he's Richard Burton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and he humors them a bit with that. And this, you know, he's he's coming back and pining after Claire. And this is a, this is another scene where you really just see that, that, that he is a narcissist. He only cares about himself. And he snaps at her like he does. Nasty. He he tells her that her values are garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he says, like the most hurtful thing he could possibly say to to her, based on what we know about her. You know. Yeah. And yeah, again, you're like, but again, she comes running every time he calls her. No problem. Uh, he also meets Herman and some of the other homeless yeah. people, mm-hmm. which we also get another Goonies person. Yep, Mama Fratelli. Yeah, yeah, Mama Fratelli. And we were just talking about Richard Donner. It, it's funny to see how many actors um, end up in Richard Donner movies um, because you know he would he did Lethal Weapon before this. He would go on to do the other Lethal Weapon movies. Even the um, uh, the lady who's um, the black lady, I, I can't remember her name, but she ends up in Lethal Weapon Four, um, and she's the, the the cop who's like pining over Marta, or she's a security card, or a security card, or something like that. But hmm. it, it's funny to see those little actors that pop up within productions of people. Like you know, when directors work with certain people, you start to see them show up over and over again. And that's as good of a time as any to bring up Almost Famous. Almost Famous. I know that, dude. I, know, I know that, I know dude. Haven't you ever heard of that guy? <laughs> that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? So, there's a lot of people in this movie. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of not super well-known actors, in my opinion. Um, at the time, Bobcat Goldwith would have been a pretty common actor to see in movies, I think, uh, just because of his police Academy fame. Um, you got Carol Kane mm-hmm. who we'll, we'll get to here in just a minute. She's adorable. I love her. And um, everything. You know, you, you, and she's, she was on my list for this. Yeah. I, she pops up in movies and I, I wouldn't say that she's a household name. I, I wouldn't really know her name very well yeah. personally, but I mean, before, before getting into all of this and doing the research we've done, I mean, I knew her name, but at the time, like I, she would have been one of those people that I'd just seen in movies, but had no idea. Like she's obviously not a big, st- you know, she's not a a top of the title card type of yeah, uh, a- sure. actor. 
Um, you know, I fought for Brian Doyle Murray in the last episode that he was in. He's popping up here again. Incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> Opinions vary. <laughs> uh, you've got John Glover who plays the, the LA, um, yep. The slime, ball. slime ball. Yeah. Um, he's fun. He, he's been in all kinds of stuff, uh, from movies all the way up to like CW. He was in Smallville. Mm-hmm. He played, uh, Luther, one of the Luthers right, in yeah. there. Uh, I also wrote down Mary Ellen Trainer, who has again been brought up and almost famous before mm-hmm. in a couple of shows. Uh, uh, what about Michael J. Pollard? The guy who plays the homeless guy. He's in Bonnie and Clyde, Tango and Cash, Roxanne, a uh, bunch of 80s movies, television. There's also the guy in um, in Lethal Weapon. He plays like the police chief. I, I didn't write his name down either, but he's another one that appears in all of these Richard Donner movies. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people in this movie that you could really throw out there. I don't know who I would really nominate to be like to and give us talking I, this is a good point to talk about cameos as well you know you've got of course robert goulet you've got um <laughs> he's greeting uh, christmas <laughs> 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 yeah it makes <laughs> it's good it's good uh and, and lee and majors then, lee majors and then and and the gym, gymnast girl and uh mary lou retton that's the one. And uh, when they're walking down the street and and he he says he yells at the band like the band sucks out on the street. The band leader is Paul Schaefer and <laughs> uh, Miles Davis is one of the band's band members. No. Wow. Yeah. And um, Larry Carlton and David Sanborn. But yeah, big time musicians in there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of nominees in this and I, I would find it. I mean, we could just give it to Carol Kane. Let's give it to one. Carol Kane. Cause she's so fun in this movie. She, and and she is. And she'll come up again. And when we, when we talk movies, yep. one particular movie that I'm thinking of. And, uh, but I, I love her voice. She's very, you know, the fact that they picked her to do this cutesy, futsy little ghost of Christmas present, fairy looking ghost, but she wreaks so much havoc on Bill mm-hmm. Murray. The juxtaposition of that is amazing. And, and I, and I, from the moment you meet her, you get that feeling. And then all of a sudden she's just as violent as all get out. Kicking him in the balls. <laughs> like I really like this representation of the ghost of Christmas present as a woman, because on the outside, like you say, she's sugar and spice and everything nice. Yep. But then don't mess with her. She's a badass bitch. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's so cute. And it's such a fun, you know, uh, dynamic. That yeah. She's so yeah. adorable and but also just extremely violent. And I think what makes it is, I mean, this movie is really just a vessel for for, for Bill, Bill Murray to to go nuts. And when you've got him doing that in this movie, and then you put her in there doing what she's doing, it makes for a great time, and it's very fun. The the banter between the two of them, um, even when they're given like the like he's even starting to figure her out. So when she goes to poke him in the eyes, he puts the hand up like yeah. the three Locks Stooges, <laughs> you know. Um, 
And when they're when they're at his secretary's place and they're arguing back and forth, I forget what all goes down there, but that whole back and forth between them is hilarious. And and yeah, I mean, he basically learns about uh, her struggles, the fact that her husband was killed, yeah, and the boy hasn't spoken since. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so you you learn about her family there. And he's the the, the kid, uh, his, his secretary's kid. She, he's pretty cute. I, I, what is his name? I was talking about this on Not a Bomb the other night. Like, I am so terrible with names. Like, everybody always has to tell me names of people because I will uh, never write them down. His name is Calvin. Yeah, Calvin. Calvin Cooley. Almost like Calvin Coolidge. He's Almost. very cute. Yeah. Yeah, cute kid for sure. Um, I like how she blows raspberries on his stomach even though he's... <laughs> He doesn't want her to, but he starts laughing anyway. <laughs> like as soon as she starts doing, he starts giggling. Uh, I like when he says it looks like a beer commercial when he sees his brother and his friends, <laughs> yeah, hanging out having their Christmas night because it does look like a beer commercial. <laughs> and but- that's when he finds out that she, his secretary, disobeyed his order to send a towel to his brother and sent him the VCR. Uh-huh. It really and date- after everything that and ev- after everything that happens, he's mad about it. Still, he's yeah. still an asshole. He was gonna give his secretary a raise in the last scene, and now she might be fired <laughs> for giving away the VCR. Yeah, right. His thought process and the way he changes really is abrupt, and I think it's supposed to be. Like, I think it, yeah. by by the end of this, you're he's supposed to realize, holy shit, I really have to change my ways. I I agree. The word abrupt was the exact word in my notes. Yeah. Um, but I like they're doing trivia and, you know. Yeah. He yeah. knows the answers to the questions and his brother doesn't know. Because it's TV trivia. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Yep. Because he knows all the TV shows. He knows shows. his television. Mm-hmm. And, it, is it- and I love that, that she's like whispering the questions to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where we find out too that he thinks a lot of his childhood memories are like he thinks they're childhood memories, but it's actually episodes of TV that he watched? That was back with Ghost of the Past. That mm-hmm. was in the past. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember if it yeah. was past or, or present where that happened. I wrote down that the the Ghost of Christmas Present kind of disappears pretty abruptly. Yeah, he ends up in the sewer. Sewer. Yeah. Um, and yes. she's gone. And this yeah, is she just drops him off. And this is a pretty sad moment of the movie. You end up seeing the the, the gentleman that was in the homeless shelter. What's his name again? You you said it Herman. earlier. Herman. Um, he sees him there, frozen to death mm-hmm. in the sewer. And some more great effects. Yeah, yeah. that's really the effect good. of him looking. And it's so sad. And that guy has a that actor Michael J. Pollard has such a a kind looking face, yes. you know, and he's just looks so friendly and he dies with a smile on his face. Yep. And it, it's so sad. Uh, when Frank gets down there, finds himself down there, he says, uh, he says, what is this Trump tower? Yes. yes. I, I made note of that too. Fun little, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even back then. Um, but uh, he's mad. Frank is mad at him. He, he, he's uh, this shakes Frank. Yeah. More than anything so far. Yeah. Why didn't you stay with Claire? Like, this is where he really starts to realize, like, Claire's doing good. I'm not doing good. Uh, maybe it's, but again, like, he, 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 he 
breaks down the door to get in. And, and it, this is the same, like he goes through the door in the sewer, comes out on the set of mm-hmm. Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in the middle of like, they're about to start shooting the, the, the show. And yeah, uh, they're, they're rehearsing. This yeah. is like the Final dress rehearsal. rehearsal. Yeah. yeah. And this is where, you know, you really start people around the production are starting to see that, that Frank is losing his mind because yep. he's just oh, yeah. going crazy on the set, uh, knocking stuff over, being, being crazy. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? John Glover, John Glover's character comes over and he's just, I, I love that they kind of put him there to, to run the production because they know they have this troubled person, which is weird because the boss, Robert Mitchum's character seems to, to really believe in Frank and instills all this stuff into him. But everybody else can see that Frank is not stable mm-hmm. and he, he probably isn't the person that needs to be making the decisions. But it's it's almost like you need John Glover's character to, to make the old man realize that. But but he would. That's the thing about John Glover's character is he's so nice he wouldn't say it out loud. He would almost. I think he'd. I think he'd casually make the 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 boss man think it was his idea. Right. That's how smooth and slimy yeah. he is. Like. Yep. He would just talk circles around it until the guy just, you know, he would inception the guy basically. <laughs> now, throughout everything that's happened so far, we always jump back to Bobcat Goldthwait's character. And <laughs> he he's he's been thrown out on his ass. His you don't ever see him at home, but apparently from what you see of him throughout the movie, his wife has kicked him out of the house and he's constantly got alcohol in his hand but ends up not being able to drink it. Mhm. Which I think yeah. is really funny. The car drives by, gets the bag wet, the bottle falls out of his hand. That's a great gag. Mm-hmm. It, it's all really good. And the ghost of Christmas past steals his his. That's drink. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. As they drive by in the taxi, he snatches it out of his hand. I just love his faces when he's like anticipating getting yeah. that drink because he wants it so badly. He's like licking his lips and he makes these crazy expressions. It's very good. Josh is trying. It's not as effective. <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of drinks, Frank goes back to his office, and I love the cocktail he makes. You know, because he makes these cocktails with tab. I always yeah. remember the, the tab. So he's got this glass full of vodka. It's vodka, I think. Vodka. Yeah. yeah, it is vodka. He's got a glass full of vodka, and he his hands trembling, and he shakes a couple of drops yeah. of tab into yeah. <laughs> that's his cocktail. <laughs> I really like when they they cut to him looking out the window and he's got the bottle and the glass in his hand and he's looking straight out the window and pouring pouring the vodka in the in the glass, but he's not looking at it and he's just pouring and he <laughs> he's, just, he's completely oblivious to what he's doing. But yes, when it cuts to him with the with the can of tab and his hands shaking and he just ends up with like two little drops in it is great. Me and Eric are big fans of the Film Junk podcast. Um, we'll give them a little shout out here. And this was one thing that they have. This is a movie they've talked about a lot on that podcast. And um, Frank is a big fan of it. But this is one one scene that Frank always brings up that I you, you want to watch Bill Murray throughout the scene. And they ended up cutting a lot of his audio out. Like you can see him physically talking at certain points and but there's no audio to it mm. and i think it's the, they're bringing on this daunt of the the ghost of christmas uh future coming but there's a scene where he's 
He pours himself the drink and he sits down and you see the the ghost on the TV screens behind mm-hmm. him. But the glass is a little far, you know, a little farther away than he probably wants it to be. And he's just talking to the glass like, hey, you, <laughs> c- come here, come on. Over. <laughs> like you can see him mouthing the words and I crack up every time I watch it. And it's because Frank on Film Junk pointed that out. So That's thank funny. you. Frank. I did not notice. Um, that. I don't recall that. But yeah, he, he's just sitting there looking at the glass and he's just like gesturing to it. And, hey, come here. Come here. Come on. You know you want to come over here. Like it's pretty funny. It's a part of it's part of that Bill Murray comedy that just works. Um But the ghost's uh entrance is thwarted by Bobcat Goldthwaite coming in to kill him. Yeah. Yep. Shooting He's up the here place. To shoot up the place. Yep. Now and the reason I brought up Gold uh, Bobcat throughout his his trials and tribulations throughout this movie is because I love Gold Bobcat. Gold Bobcat. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> he says that he's been drunk all week, but I think the, right. the gag in the movie is, is he's never been able to get the drink of alcohol. Yeah, I, I guess he got it. He did. He got it. Off screen. Uh, I just, just more messiness in this movie. I it's feel messy. like it's the, this movie is messy and, you know, they talk about it being filmed really quickly uh-huh. and, you know, you, you talk about all the ADR and stuff and it looks like they just filmed a bunch of stuff. Right. And then just edited it all together, and there's a lot of holes there, and there's a lot of things that don't quite yeah. feel and we'll, thought out. And we'll really get into a discussion about that at the end because the end is where I think it really shows. Um, but he ends up, you know, shooting up the place. Bill Murray finally gets back to the elevator before he squeezes off that last shot to shoot him, and the ghost is in the elevator. Um, before he goes up to his office though, he's, he's being escorted to an elevator and yeah. he sees the guy in the costume for the, for the, for ghost, the show, for the show, for the show. and yeah. freaks out. Um, I didn't notice this until we watched the <laughs> behind the scenes thing on it the other night, but he elbows the actress that plays his secretary in the jaw mm-hmm. when he reacts to the ghost yeah. and you can physically see her like grab her jaw. Like he knocks oh, the shit out of her. Yeah. Um, and I think they had to play it into the movie because they went with the shot that they got. Mm-hmm. I, I Part of me wants to know if Bill Murray was like apologetic or was just like, just brushed it off as that was me performing. Just kind of a fly on the wall say. sort of thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, his, but the fact that he freaks out, finds out it's a guy in a costume and he remains on his knees during that whole exchange with him and his secretary <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> Um, he has this and you know he he has this in a lot of movies where he it's very vankman where he even in terrifying moments he's sort of calmly making jokes and jabs which he does with the the real ghost of the christmas future a few times even when he you know this things are getting really serious now you know like he's about to burn alive and you know he's still making gags which is fun right that's that Bill Murray magic, you know. And I like when you finally meet the real ghost of Christmas future and he's he's coming up to real close to Bill Murray in the elevator and he just thinks it's, a, you know, the guy in the costume again. But when he opens up the, 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 cloak. the yeah, cloak. He's got like souls. Like <laughs> Lost souls. souls. In his ribs. It's funny, but it's creepy too yeah. at the same time. Like the effects mm. are, are, are good. And, but. I can't help but laugh at, at it when you see it, but it looks great. Because they're well, not is scary enough to be yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah, they're goofy. Right. Yeah. But they're yeah, the the whole design of that 
character is interesting too like mm-hmm. his face is a screen yeah yeah that's um, really cool it kind of gave me like saga vibes mm-hmm, for sure oh right yeah yeah totally and and you for know, all you comic nerds out there that read saga i don't know yeah. how many of you how many of you there are but everybody should read saga it's one of the best comics there is yeah it is good Preach. um but he i mean you know you could you could think that some of these you could consider all of these things to be hallucinations, arguably. Yeah. Um, there are some like crossovers with the golf ball and things like that, but um, <clears throat> and you know, I, the, he he bumps into that uh, that reaper in the elevator, mm-hmm. and then you know he goes up to his office and is visited by a reaper that looks almost the same, you know, like almost like the, the image of that was sort of planted, but Mm -hmm. it's sort of in his hallucination. It's, it's more grotesque. It's got the television screen. The hands, the hands are real big and skeleton like, like, well, the whole thing is huge. I mean, he's like 12 feet tall or something, or maybe not that tall, but anyway, he's very tall and he's very cool when he, when he's like floating across the, the floor and there's all the the smoke mm-hmm. coming out from under the robe yeah. and um but bill murray's it's a very interesting visual even after all he's seen he's still narcissistic enough to think that his brother's in the coffin not him wait wait first he's narcissistic enough to think that he could harden sweet claire enough that she becomes this hoity-toity rich bitch who's just like oh get rid of the beggar children who are disrupting our brunch or whatever like she's pretty terrifying in like that yeah super white makeup with those red lips and she's just she is become him yeah yeah pretty much but i don't think that he could ever have that effect on her but he's narcissistic enough to think that he could. Yeah, I mean, right. this is this is his thoughts about yep. yeah, which he doesn't like. But I mean, they're his thoughts, right? Yeah, it it always strikes me as as you know, it it takes till the very last minute for him to realize just what it is that he's been going through in this night again. Like he he assumes that it's his brother that's dead, but it's actually him. Um, well, he also sees Calvin, the little boy, as in an asylum and he yeah you know obviously has not gotten any better and he's like oh i think i know someone at nyu we'll make some calls <laughs> that shit is dark it is. it is i like that i like that hallway he tries to walk through that's all crooked and distorted yeah yeah, yeah i like that a lot but then yes we get to the funeral and he sees his brother's wife and assumes that his brother has died and i love the set yeah for this yeah it's yeah. i don't even know like i guess it represents how cold and hard he is mm-hmm. um but it just looks really cool right yeah i mean you get a little beetlejuice vibe yeah for with sure the, the the crooked hallway and that that uh cremation scene uh which is weird because that came out the same year so uh but more great effects when he's in the coffin and he's starting to burn up. I mean, that's, that's a quality effect there. Yeah. I fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I think I they actually set Bill Murray's feet on fire. <laughs> cause they, oh I, my God. I mean, it looks like it, but yeah, hard to imagine they, they did that, but yeah. It's I mean, very effective. 
It is effective. It's an effective shot, and it, it looks like he's burning up in a, in a coffin. I mean, it's pretty gnar. Pretty gnar. Gnar? I thought I'd try it out. He wakes Stop up. Stop trying and... to make gnar work, Eric. <laughs> oh. Let's get to some quotes for this bad boy. You're going to need a bigger quote. Some of the taglines. Well, there was really only one tagline for this movie. Um, Bill, Bur- Bill Murray is back among the ghosts. Only this time it's three against one. <laughs> wow. Don't reference another movie yeah. that yeah. you didn't even make right. just because your star's in it. That's lame. And the other one is I, this. I saw that too. The spirits will move you in odd and hysterical ways. That's uh, kind of weak. Yeah. That sucks. Um, but this is full of quotable moments and one-liners. Yes. Um, Eric actually brought up the one that I like the most, and that's I've never liked a, a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I have several <laughs> that uh, caught my attention. Uh, Carol Kane says, you know, I like the rough stuff, don't you, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also in that sequence with her, he says, that bitch hit me with a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a good one. Um, uh, I, oh, I got an, I got one here. Yeah. Uh, Bobcat watches Frank's commercial for Scrooged. Uh-huh. He says that thing looks like the Manson family Christmas special. That's <laughs> it. That's it. I said Nazi Germany earlier. He may have compared it to Nazi Germany too, but yeah, the Manson family yeah. thing is funny. Um, uh, it's not a quote, but I mean, I, I love the night the reindeer died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think Bill Murray's first line in the movie is, Oh my gosh, does that suck? <laughs> I he really says, like now I must one. kill all of you. And now I now I have to kill all of you. <laughs> it's his delivery of a lot of it too yeah, that makes it so good. Um, um when he's coming out of the homeless shelter and you've got Herman and a couple other guys there and he says, you know, can you spare a couple of bucks? He says, I blew it all on Liz because <laughs> they think he's Richard Burton. <laughs> It's hilarious. Uh, I like when his boss is giving him statistics on pets in America. And he's like, do you know how many dogs? And he's like, in America? (laughs) (laughs) Just a fun little, uh, I've got another one here. Uh, The the guy who has the mouse with the antlers, Uh he says, I have three dogs and a cat at home. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. That's a that's a reach. That's a reach. I'll admit it. Yeah. Uh, the 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 ghost of Christmas past. When he talks about, I think it was Al Capone or somebody. He uh-huh. says, "When he saw his mother, Niagara Falls." Yeah. <laughs> the Niagara Falls. Yep. Which Bill Murray does. I mean, do and we- he does immediately. He yep. sees his mother and he breaks down. Yep. Yep. Did you have some more? Um. Yeah. Me? There's oh, yeah. there's one. I think he's in the studio or something he says i feel real weird about tonight <laughs> that was my next one he says break a leg everybody i feel real yeah. weird about tonight <laughs> it reminds me of when he gets slimed and he says i feel funky yes yes that's all i got all right that's all well, I got. it's some that's good all. ones though i mean mm-hmm. there's a, there's a handful in there i i love the i've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives that's <laughs> that's pretty good um so He's done with his, his, it's not a premonition, but his visions of 
where he's been, where he's at, and where he could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're back on the set. And this is really like, I, I, I pretty much. Well, first he like convinces Bobcat not to murder him. Again. Well, true. I mean, yeah, he, he steals he, the he, gun away from him with his joy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm he gives alive. Him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Bobcat Goldwig. He's just like shocked that he's come out with this gleefulness, yeah. and um, he takes the gun and just takes it straight from him and starts giving him the raspberries on his stomach, which. Looked a little nasty, but <laughs> which makes him giggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how it, like just doesn't matter what mood you're in. If you get raspberries, you're gonna giggle. Mm-hmm. That's right. all there is to it. Um, it now, tickles. What didn't sit well with me is how they continued to take him into the into the boardroom and or not the boardroom, but the sound room, and he holds everybody hostage at gunpoint. Uh, did we really need to go that route with it? Well, if he I, wanted to stay on the air. I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a live show that he's about to take over, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel like, oh, it's time to wrap up the movie. I said this with Christmas Vacation yeah, yeah. as well, but it's like, okay, we did all our stuff, time to wrap it up. Uh, I guess we'll just take over the control room of the gun and you can just do your speech and then it's over. Yeah, and I do feel like it's an abrupt yeah, he, he turns just... character turn and it's you want to keep him an asshole the whole movie because that's what's fun is showing this asshole, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. Uh, but yeah, he just stays an asshole until the very end and then he's just completely, yeah, uh, just goes nuts. But I mean, you have to assume that I mean, it, it seems like there's no consequence, we're, we're not even in any kind of reality anymore after this because yeah. he's taken over shot up a studio i mean is he gonna go to jail after this movie's over <laughs> like what, well i mean you know it, it seems like everyone's just sort of like oh you know bobcat goldthwaite's character for sure <laughs> i mean he's yeah. he's the one holding people up at gunpoint and attempted murder on on frank's character um but yeah i mean this is where watching it this time and knowing a little bit about the production like they said this was very difficult to film because Bill Murray just went off the cuff. He was going crazy. The camera people um, that were shooting this, I, I think one of the directors of photography just completely like dropped, dropped camera and was like, I'm done. Like could not follow Bill Murray. <laughs> Uh, it was, they said it was just a nightmare to get this closing thing done because he was just going every which way he could going off script saying whatever he wanted and honestly when you watch it it feels like he's just really grasping at straws for for the well it's very meta too because yeah that's happening in the film but it's also happening while they're making this film that it's happening in Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and he really is going off the rails at the end of the film and in the end of this film and the film goes off the rails here he basically says one nice thing to everybody who he's wronged and they all Mm -hmm. forgive him immediately. And uh, it seems like everyone's likes him again and it's all good. And then music plays and he starts talking to the audience. That's my favorite part of the end of this movie (laughs) is when, you know, well you get Calvin who approaches him after all this has gone down and I I feel like I'm forgetting something and he tugs on his arm God blesses everyone. And that scene always gets me. It's very sweet. 
It's um, sweet because that kid's cute and, yep. and his story's sad. And, yeah. and you finally get, you know, a response out of him for something. You can tell that things have changed by just the fact that he's opened up and he's talked. Um, even as off the rails as this ending goes, I feel like that is enough to cement it and give it a, a really good solid ending for the movie. Do you think Claire was bothered that he made out with one of the dancers? I thought the same thing when I was watching it because <laughs> right before, right before she walks in. Yep. I thought that was pretty odd myself. Um, but in, in movie land, nah, she's, she was fine. Yeah. <laughs> He's changed his ways. He's not a womanizer anymore. Well, and that's, that's the thing about this movie is that compared to other versions of a Christmas Carol, he is such an asshole, such a narcissist. There's absolutely no way that he does this abrupt a turnaround. Right. I mean, he might for the night Mm -hmm. and even the next day, but he's not fundamentally changed. You can't change a narcissist unless (laughs) they want to be changed and dedicate themselves to years of therapy to make that happen. It's just not possible. (laughs) And I really don't see Frank going and sitting in therapy. So my bet is, I mean, I give, I give him and Claire six months tops. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to work out. She's too good. He's too bad. Yep. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned him talking to the audience. That's my favorite part of this is him doing the, you know, I call it the Hey Jude because, you know. Put a little love in your heart. Yeah. Everybody on that side of the audience. How about all the men? You know, it, it's fun. Um, I could see if you went to the premiere of this movie and you had fun watching it, that that would have been a, a nice experience in the, in the theater. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You, you yeah. might have had I mean, a theater full of people singing this. and Yeah, this movie's fun and full of gags and stuff like that. If you're looking for anything more than that, you're not really going to get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, when you want to talk about a Christmas Carol, I think Mickey's Christmas Carol is a little more genuine. <laughs> that's a great. Uh, that's great. I love Mickey. Mickey's Christmas. Yeah, Carol. that was that was one that I watched as a kid a lot, and that was probably why I didn't watch Scrooged until I was older. Is because if I was watching something that had to do with a Christmas Carol, it was Mickey's Christmas Carol for sure. But that's, I mean, that's pretty much it for Scrooged. Bill Murray, he's he's back in acting, and would would go on from this to pretty much become the bill murray everybody you know knows and loves from that point on and well he did he did groundhog day yep yep uh, i mean uh, and he could you know he got his reputation from from the, the way he did things and um you know i mean you get him in movies like him on groundhog day as well being difficult yeah and, and like movies like uh kingpin where he just really just went all out and just went nuts and uh, it, it doesn't change how I feel about Bill Murray. I think he's hilarious. I mean, I think he's a, a comedic genius, but I'm sure I'm sure working with him has its challenges. <laughs> I think he probably you, matured. I, yeah, yeah I, I think he's probably past that. It seems because you don't really hear about that anymore, and he's pretty much universally liked at this point. So well, even he, he's not like a, a a a Chevy Chase where he's just a dick and everyone says he's a dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, so I, you hear these stories, but he was in the prime of his life, prime of his career. He was probably went to his head a little bit, you know, and 
I had heard a story and, and and this is kind of the things that I hear about Bill Murray that make me think he just has this edge and he's, he's great for what he does is I can't remember who it was, but somebody told me a story that someone they knew was in Hawaii on vacation and they got in an elevator and Bill Murray was there and they were on this elevator. He, he kept looking over to, it was like, is this Bill Murray? Like he was trying to figure out if it was actually Bill Murray or not. And he kept looking and Bill Murray looked at him and he goes, yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said they they spoke briefly for for just a couple of minutes. And and uh, once Bill Murray went to get off the elevator, he turned around and looked at the guy and he goes, "No one will ever believe you." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that yeah, sounds but, like some shit Bill Murray yeah. would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, there's stories of him doing that kind of stuff and just randomly going into bars and just start like pouring. Yeah, like bartending and right. and just pouring tequila for everyone in the bar and just you know I he 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 went on <laughs> a few years ago like I, I can't remember but it was in his later years where he would just start showing up places and right and and just make an appearance and do a bunch of crazy stuff and then just off he'd go and, and then like, he you know he he got known for working with Wes Anderson a, a bit I mean I think he has been in all but one one or two of Wes Anderson's movies at this point. Um, just kind of, you know, a working partner for them. You know, he, usually you can think if you're watching a Wes Anderson movie, you're going to get a glimpse of Bill Murray somewhere. Um, and then, you know, his dramatic stuff with broken flowers and, and the most popular would be lost in translation. I'm really yeah. eager to Love watch the translation. Man. Yeah. I'm really eager to watch the new one uh, that Sophia Coppola and him did, uh, with Rashida Jones. I can't think of the name of it right now, but it looks, looks good. And I love Rashida Jones. So yeah, me too. But, uh, I mean, buy it, rent it, forget it. Buy it. Buy it. I'm going to go rent it. I Well, you know. I, I was a little you. disappointed on this one. You know what? This watch, I, I have to rescind. I, I think I would go rent. We own it because I'm crazy and I like to own movies. But <laughs> well, other people don't have to own it. Right. Right. Really, it's on TV. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is. I mean, it's Christmas time right now. I've seen it come up several times. I'm sure it's edited, but it's out there for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely I mean, it's not necessary to buy this one. It, 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 rent it. Watch it on TV. You're good, especially this time of year. I mean, it's it, it's it's made for this time of year. This is when you would watch it. It's a fun watch. Absolutely. Yep. So but how about the good, the bad and the ugly? The good, the bad. The ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and do my good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is uh, Carol Kane is the best part of this movie. In my ah, I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not going to disregard Bill Murray. Bill Murray is great, even though it seems like he was just really riffing and doing whatever he wanted. Maybe that's why this movie is as funny as it is. Maybe not. Who knows? But. Um, I, you know, Bill Murray, Carol Kane, uh, all the interactions between them in this. I, I, I love, I could watch, I could watch a whole movie with those two. And I think it would be <laughs> hilarious. Um, the bad, I would say, is the whole like uh, going postal at work aspect of the movie. Doesn't really sit too well nowadays. Yeah. With the, you know, people just walking into places and shooting places up. Kind of left a bad taste in my mouth watching it this time. I understand it's a movie for entertainment value, but it didn't sit all that well. Well, with to be me. fair, Bobcat has a shotgun. 
Yeah. Not an AR-15. Yeah. So. You've got a point. He's got a very specific target in mind. Not that that makes it any better, but uh, his mass casualty uh, (laughs) likelihood has gone way down. He, that's good. That's a good point, Jenny. Mm-hmm. Well, I had I did notice that he shoots that shotgun multiple times, even though it's a two shot. Yeah, he does reload <laughs> he, though. He reloads. He's got him in his pocket. He's yeah, but I think he pocket. fires off a, a, a maybe three or four before he reloads yeah. a couple of times. But that's just movies for you. That's a little continuity error there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric. How about your good, the bad, and the ugly? Uh, my good is the is the the ghosts. Yeah. Uh, I. So I include Carol Kane in there. She's my favorite. Um, but I love Lou, the golfer guy. They're all great. Um, and the, just the effects go along with that. Um, all the effects for all of them look look great. I love the uh, uh, the ghost car, the the time traveling ghost car. They even do the 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 drive the two cars driving through and passing through each other. Like yeah, in- yeah, yeah. Um. So and and the hanging them out the window effects and, and interesting things like that uh are fun the mouse crawling out of the head all that that one's bad good. is the uh the abrupt character turn we talked about that enough mm-hmm. and ugly is bill murray's hair long hair oh in the past yeah in the past yeah <laughs> it's pretty it bad. Is brutal it's the worst haircut i've ever seen <laughs> Like I don't even know what was going on there. That is a disaster. I mean, he had like a, like a, like a, a mullet tacked on to his already like balding head, <laughs> and it's all curly and just a mess. Good God. Yep. Anyway, Jenny. My good is Carol Kane, and that's yeah. That's literally the only thing I wrote down. But, <laughs> um, yeah, just like y'all said, I love her so much in this and in other things she's just a delight to watch um the bad i'm gonna say i really think they made frank too mean he's pretty too narcissistic too he's he's irredeemable really but yet they managed to redeem him in the end, I mean, he, like I said before, it's way over the top from anything you see in any other version of A Christmas Carol. It's like to the nth degree, and yeah. it's just too much, I think. Yeah, I agree. I have no ugly. Okay, no uh, ugly. quickly on on Carol Kane. She, if you guys watched Hunters, the no. uh, series on. I've heard Prime. that it's very good. We start watching and it is it is pretty good. And she, uh, you know, the, the, the show's about it's a period piece uh, where they hunt down uh, Nazis that are hiding in America and mm-hmm. some in, in high level positions in the government, things like that. So there's sort of like a, a secret group of of uh, Jewish people that hunt Nazis. And, and uh, nice. she she's in, in it. She's one nice. of there's She plays the wife of a couple that, and they are part of the hunting group. So she's a lot of fun. I that. didn't know she was still working. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So definitely Carol Kane. She's just got uh, not only like seeing her in a movie, it's that voice. I mean, you, you can't, yep. you know, that voice will get you every time. So, but I think that's going to do it for this episode. Of VHS files, Scrooged, Bill Murray making an appearance again. Um, next week, we're going to be back talking with you guys about a very, 
very funny movie and one that I have very fond memories of, Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. Um, this one could get pretty fun because I have some theories about some some things in this movie, and you know how I like to get with theories. So, um, but I'm really excited to talk about this one. I this is one of the one of my most treasured first time watches uh, of a movie was when I first saw Home Alone, and I didn't see it in the theater. I was not lucky enough to go to the theater to see it. A little little spoiler for next week's episode, but. I'm very excited to talk about Home Alone and the reaction that I had when I first saw it. It's a great holiday movie. We're back with Chris Columbus and John Hughes again. And just you talk 80s and Christmas, you're going to get those two all the time. So Back in the Hughes-averse. Hughes-averse. Yep. So that's going to do it for this episode of the VHS Files. Please shoot us an email at the v- or at VHS Files podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions uh would like to interact with us here on the show if you send us an email we'll really we will read it here on the show and uh we will answer questions for you guys anything of that nature we will take movie suggestions so please if you have any of that kind of stuff please drop us an email at the vhs files at gmail.com our vhs files podcast at gmail.com and uh reach us on social media at the VHS Files podcast, wherever you do your social media, we've got we've got a page on whatever it is there at, at VHS Files podcast. Check and, us on MySpace, guys. Yep, MySpace, ten, <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> no. Oh Lord! Just Josh and yeah. Jason's the only one on Tinder. You're probably right. <laughs> oh, oh, our first Jason jab. So late in the show. But <laughs> I'm. All right, guys, we'll see you next week when we talk Home Alone. Until then, be kind. Rewind. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to vhsfilespodcast at gmail.com. He's single fucks. using one too many movies. Don't you blame the movies! Follow us on all social media outlets at vhsfilespodcast. Movies don't create psychos! Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative! <laughs> Thanks for listening. And it's got your boy Chevy Chase in the video. Isn't he in that video? That's Call Me Al. Oh, Call Me Al. You fool. But Paul Simon, Paul Simon is in this video, right? Am I getting this all mixed up? He is a good guy. And he makes good movies. I gotta say. And I don't know if it was better or worse.